Welcome to another episode of Into the Remote Podcast, the show where we explore the new ways of working and exciting new future of work. Glad to have you with us again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Into the Remote Podcast. Today in the studio, I'm joined by Claudia Nemčicka, the VP of People at CloudOlk. Claudia, welcome. Thank you so much, Yurai, for having me. Absolutely. Today, we'll be talking about employee engagement, one of the most discussed topics, but also one of the most elusive ones. But the funny thing is that even though employee engagement is such a difficult concept to grasp, it does have serious implications on business. And it costs companies about $500 billion a year, uh, which is absolutely insane. But first of all, let's define what employee engagement is. And I'll paraphrase the definition by Kevin Cruz, the author of Great Leaders Have no rules. And he said that employee engagement is a workplace approach resulting in the right conditions where employees are invested in their company. Like in a plain speak, this means that the employees care whether the company succeeds, right? And should come natural, but not so fast. Uh, Gallup found out in their report that only 20% of employees are actually engaged at work. And um, obviously, we have to take this with a pinch of uh, salt. There are more optimistic reports. Nonetheless, huge portions of the teams remain disengaged, which often leads to the phenomenon of quiet quitting and the drop of productivity. So the effects compound in the remote setup even more, where we are not getting that physical feedback from, from our colleagues. And today, Claudia will be talking about hands-on examples of how you at CloudTalk actually create workplace where your people feel connected and where they can do the best, best work. Claudia, welcome again. And let's just set the stage for today's conversation. So tell us more about CloudTalk. How many people do you have on the team and which locations do you work out of? Gladly, gladly. So currently CloudTalk has about 190 employees nice. and we work from basically all over the world. Of course, the base is in CEE, Central Eastern Europe. We have many people, 40, maybe 50 working from Bratislava. We have some scattered across Slovakia. We have people in Prague, in Czechia. We also have people in Malaga, Spain, Lisbon, Portugal. But we also have some employees in the Philippines. These are the people mm -hmm. that serve the US market and also in Northern and Southern America. So basically all over the world. Wow. And what about some locations? Do you have HQs or mini HQs in any particular locations or your people are really scattered all across the world? Absolutely. So it's important to say that CloudTalk is a hybrid company, not right. a fully remote mm -hmm. company. And as of today, um, we have four office locations mm -hmm. um, in different locations in different cities. Our HQ is here around the corner in Bratislava. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have an office in Prague, Czechia, and one in Malaga, Spain, and also in Lisbon, Portugal. However, as of April, our Lisbon office is going to get closed down. That really piqued my interest, that story of Lisbon. Like, what happened over there? Why did you decide to close that office down? It is actually very simple. Mm -hmm. um, people that we have in Lisbon simply didn't attend the office. We consulted with them. We saw the attendance. It really wasn't very high. Mm -hmm. We consulted with them and they said that it doesn't really make sense for them to keep the mm -hmm. office because they just simply prefer to work from home. Either, either the location of the office is not the best for them or they just want to save time not commuting and um, opening up their computer and working from the moment they wake up. Um, so yeah, we, we are closing it down because it's not used. But of course, we are ready to revisit the idea once we have more employees 
employees in that location. This is so interesting. Why then does it work in other locations, right? Like why it didn't work in Lisbon? You mentioned a mm -hmm. couple of uh, reasons over there, but why does it work in other locations? That's the question. Does it work in other locations? <laughs> so, I love the way you spin that question. <laughs> yes, yes. So let me set the record straight. I think many companies are now um, tackling the question of why do so few employees come to our office? Absolutely. Let's say we have 50 employees based in Bratislava. And to be frank, on a better day, we have 15 people in the office, maybe 20 if marketing has their gathering on Wednesday there. Um, on the worst day, we have about six employees. So on average, okay. we have 10 employees each day coming to the office out of 50. And it's not just CloudDoc problem. It's actually every company that I've spoken to in Slovakia or in Bratislava problem. People don't like to come to the office anymore because it's easier to just wake up at home and save time. So, um, yeah, I think it's a big, big question that many companies are tackling. And it's a question of should we even have the office? And if so, how flexible should it be? And that is why we always go for co-working spaces because they allow that element of flexibility. I love that. So you're not renting the entire floor, for no, example, right? No. Like you decided to go and book a couple of tables or a smaller offices in the co-working spaces. Exactly. We usually have smaller offices in larger co-working spaces. But for example, with Bratislava, we had three offices and we closed down one. So we, we are now left with two and it's more than enough. Super interesting. And we've noticed this kind of a trend with other tech companies as well, right? Like they are really thinking about how to redesign and redefine uh, the purpose of the offices. And I love this kind of approach, which gives you a lot of flexibility, even to you as a company, not only to the individuals. Love that. Um, let, let's go back in time a little bit, uh, because you said, Claudia, that now you're working this hybrid setup. Uh, did you ever go fully remote? Good question. I'll set the context for further mm -hmm. conversation. So I joined CloudTalk in December 2020. Mm -hmm. December 2020, we all know what was happening back in the day. Um, it was in the midst of the pandemic. Um, back then, CloudTalk had about 30 employees, mostly based in Bratislava. But since we just raised our Series A investment, we had the money, which me meant we needed to grow. Um, we had two options, either not grow at all or grow remotely. And mm -hmm. people didn't question it back then. People knew that if we hire now, the only way is the remote way. So it was very simple. We were fully remote back then because even if we had an office in Bratislava, people couldn't really go there and nobody had any questions. So remote was kind of the obvious way and we kind of rode the wave of remote. It was easy back then. Mm -hmm. So during the COVID times, everybody did understand the value of remote work. Did anything change? you know, in this hybrid setup, do people still question it? Because this is like a general dilemma, right? Like people say like, okay, let's get people back to the office. And suddenly as if all those benefits that we were getting out of remote work were overruled, you know, by our fear of controlling people. Like what's your take on that? Very good question. Um, so I would say that when you hire and you hire people that embrace the remote work setup, even after the pandemic, it's not a problem. The fact that you are mostly a remote company, remote company first, but a hybrid company is not a problem because people knew what they were going for. So it's not as much of an issue. But then, of course, we have, for example, our leaders asking, should we bring people back to the office? And um, our take on this is that we want to motivate people to come to our offices. We have them. We want people to come. We don't force people to come. We don't have mm -hmm. we don't have a rule that for X amount of days people have to be in the office. We want to motivate people to come. So I am a strong believer in building a culture of of enablement rather than one of enforcement. 
absolutely love this approach. And today we're obviously talking about engaging people in the remote setup. So Claudia, can you share with us some of the strategies that you have implemented um, at CloudTalk to keep your remote team members actually engaged and motivated? That's a billion dollar question. It is, and right? <laughs> I think it's the one that many companies are asking and I don't have a guide that can be replicated for every company. We're still mm -hmm. figuring it out and we will always continue to do so. But absolutely, um, I think the answer is twofold, if I may. There's strategies that you can do on a company-wide level and then on a team level, on a very basic unit level in the company. Um, on the company-wide level, um, one of the things that really, really helps engagement is the fact that we have unlimited pay time off. People can take as much vacation as they want. I know that that's a topic in itself and mm -hmm. I plan on writing a blog post about it. Please do. Yes, Please I do. will try to share my <laughs> learnings because I did a lot of research before uh -huh. actually implementing it. But that's one of the things. Freedom and flexibility to work um, from anywhere and anytime. If you have to go to the doctors, go. We don't care. Mm -hmm. that's, that's up to you. Other than that, team buildings, um, giving people a chance to meet, even the remote employees, giving them a chance to meet at least once a year, I think that's key. People really mm -hmm. crave that human connection at least once a year. Have people fr flying from the Philippines. I'm a huge um, promoter of that as well. Other than that, um, you have to organize informal gatherings or not gatherings, events, online events for all of the employees, such as, for example, at CloudTalk, we organize Christmas parties or Halloween parties where we have fun quizzes about CloudTalkers or CloudTalk's Got Talent where people mm -hmm. could submit their videos. And that's engaging and you get to meet people um, from all over the world uh, during uh, those um, events. So that's great. And um, for example, things such as, I don't know if we can say that, but we organize fuck-up talks where anybody in the company shares a fuck-up of theirs, something that didn't work out, but it's a lesson learned. And it's beautiful to see my colleague from the Philippines that I didn't even know was there um, share a story, and it's very inspiring, and it brings people together. This is such a wonderful exercise because, um, you know, by... Being vulnerable, admitting to your mistakes, you're really taking down those barriers, which naturally, Absolutely. you know, creates or increases actually mm -hmm. the trust. And again, you enforce the bonds or you create the new bonds with people. I, I love this kind of exercise. And we actually pulled it off at one of the offsites where we brought everybody uh, together. So uh, a huge proponent of bringing people on a regular basis. And so was Peter Fabor. He was the, the, the guest of our very Sir first. Yes, yes, exactly. And he was the guest in, in our very first episode. And well, they 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 hugely advocate for bringing people together at least once a year or ideally twice a year. I know it's a big cost, but at the same time, uh, it could be treated as an investment. Exactly, I was about to say that. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. What about regular communication with your team? Uh, do you have any channels, whether it's like the communication platform such as Slack or you have a regular meeting such as All Hands, that really keep people engaged with this high? level staff of what's going on in the company. Uh, that goes without saying, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Every company needs that communications channel. We hold all hands meetings on a monthly basis, but let me tell you, it was a journey as well. Mm -hmm. We did it for, um, so for one year, we only had the held the all hands meetings once per quarter. Mm -hmm. It was not enough. The feedback that we mm -hmm. got from the people was simply that, that that's not enough. So now we do it once a month and it's much better because employees have a chance to ask anonymously or signed through Slido any questions that they have and the management is there to answer. So that absolutely works. 
And also, if I may touch upon the, the question that you asked before, sure. I mentioned that there's things that you can do on the company level, but I think the team level is even more important in keeping people engaged. And let me elaborate on that. Um, what I do with my team, and I have data to show that this actually mm -hmm. works because we have one of the highest engagements in our team in the company, if not the highest. Um, I would say that for every meeting with every individual in your team, always allow five to seven minutes for a chit chat, informal chit chat. This is how you build trust. The person opens up, you open up as a manager, you simply have a human exchange. This is how you build friendships and thus people are more engaged. I do this, my leaders in my team do this. And again, we have one of the highest engagements in the company as a team, it works. This is such a simple but powerful gesture that we could be doing as leaders. And there was this HBR article that said that people are tired of virtual bingos or virtual, you know, pizza and beer and all these kind of fabricated experiences and another meeting on our calendar. But they d really do appreciate when the leader exactly asks them, how was your weekend, right? Or did you have, di did your daughter have a have a birthday? How was it, right? And these kind of small human touches that, that, that go really a long way. And I think they're ever more important, especially in the remote setup when we don't get the chance to meet with people, you know, in the corridor, around, um, around the kitchen, etc. Et, et Absolutely. It is difficult to keep it up when you have a lot of work to do and a lot of stuff to cover at the meeting. But still, it doesn't matter how busy you are, allow those five minutes for a chit chat. It does make a difference, I promise. Awesome. Can you give us any concrete examples of the topics, of the questions, or even small exercises that you do at the start of your meetings? Absolutely. I'll share something that I have done. Yeah. Um, actually, there's many icebreakers online for um, mm -hmm. hybrid meetings. So if you Google it, you'll find it. But some of the things that I've done and they were well received. Um, so, for example, during people team updates, monthly updates that I have with the team, I always start with an icebreaker or an opener. So, for example, I use Slido. And mm -hmm. um, one of the questions that I asked for the start um, to my team was, I know what kind of a job you hold at CloudTalk, but what is it that you wanted to be when you were little? And people started submitting their answers. It was funny and surprising. And again, we learned something new about each other and it got people talking. And I remember that was very well received. Or I asked people to, to use two adjectives to describe their week. Some of them use something like, oh, nice, exhausting, busy. Others would use um, things such as, oh, I felt like an apple or a potato. And we would, we would be like, okay, well, why is that the case? Got people talking again. And I listened to a podcast and one of the leaders in the company said that to break this formal barrier, um, they always have one person in the meeting bring a picture of themselves, a private picture of themselves, and the whole group talks about it for five minutes. And again, you learn something new from behind the scenes about the person, and it's always somebody new bringing that picture to the company or team update. I love that. So it's 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 really a complex puzzle, as we as the definition said, right? It's about that. It's about creating the workplace conditions where people can really thrive and do their best work. And these are some really powerful examples that can go really a long way. But nonetheless, right? Like the remote setup is really empowering. It gives power back to people, but at the same time, it can be isolating, right? Like you still work on your own from home, from co-working place, from cafe. Sometimes you're the only person in the country. So how do you handle and address feelings of isolation among remote team members? 
I have to say that during my two years time at CloudTalk, we didn't have many instances when individuals would feel isolated because again, going back to the beginning, if you hire the right kinds of people mm -hmm. that embrace remote working, it's not an obstacle, it might happen. And if it happens, I always go to the team level. I try to dig deeper into how does the team leader work with the team? Do they feel connected? Do they have regular updates? Do they have informal meetings where they just talk about beer and weekend plans? If not, or if they don't hold frequent one-on-ones, I speak to the manager. Because if the manager does good enough of a job, I believe that they can bring the team together and minimize those feelings of isolation. And if it still occurs, if the manager does a good job and these feelings still persist, then maybe it's time for the employee to ask themselves, is this hybrid setup really for me? Or mm -hmm. should I maybe find a company that really brings all the people to the office? And that's a valid question. Mm -hmm. So ideally finding the kind the, the candidates that know what they are actually signing up for that absolutely this is not a temporary thing but exactly. it might you know continue for years to come because this is the the setup okay so knowing what you are signing up for really exactly. helps over here, and recruiters right? really have to be very upfront mm -hmm. about this and actually maybe even test that in the candidates do the candidates know what they're signing up for exactly as you mm -hmm. said yeah how do you test that we ask, we ask questions. We simply tell them, what does mm -hmm. this mean? Two sides of the coins, there's benefits to remote work, mm -hmm. but it's also difficult because you get a chance to meet your team maybe once a year if you work outside of Europe. Um, are you okay with that? And I see how they react, what do they say? It's the emotions behind the tone of voice. So by asking simple questions, you can actually find out whether the person is used to it because they've done it for the past five years and they know what they're going for, or maybe it's the first time and they're not really sure. Mm -hmm. And Claudia, you already touched on that topic, but I would like to go deeper. So how do you measure and track the engagement? Uh, do you use any platforms to do that? That's a very important question because without data, we don't really have any mm -hmm. information. We do use a software called Office Vibe. It's mm -hmm. highly integrated with Slack and it works on the basis of micro surveys. Some companies do, let's say, um, half yearly large surveys where you spend half an hour filling in a survey. We do it on a, I think, weekly basis where you get micro surveys that take you a minute, maybe two to fill in, but we have real time data about how do employees feel about the quality of feedback they receive, relationship with managers, with peers, alignment, with company vision, mission, all of those aspects, which all together comprise engagement, employee engagement. Mm -hmm. How do you ensure, ensure that people actually fill those uh, questionnaires in? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's good. I know. So, um, <laughs> yes, um, I'll be very honest. Our participation rate is usually a between 50-60%. It could be okay. better, but if you want to max it out, you kind of have to force people into it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a question of whether we really want that. So it is difficult to get people to fill it in because they maybe have survey fatigue. We always try to promote it. And for example, if you have a team leader that wants to be promoted to a director, we always look at their office vibe metrics and see how many people fill it in and how satisfied are they with you as their manager. And if that metric is good, it's one of the scores that you get as a good aspirational leader or director. Very nice. Like this is very already structural because in many startups, you know, the promotions are, you know, go along. Okay, you're the most capable person, right? Doing this job in particular. As we a have a way to go here still. We're not doing this perfect, okay. but that's the idea behind it. Okay. That's something that we want to roll Very out interesting. this year. Awesome. So it's actually in manager's interest to get the team to fill in these, these questionnaires. That's the logic behind it, exactly. It serves you well if your employees fill it in. Yes. Mm -hmm. Got it. And what is the key metric that you measure, you know, from survey to survey? 
There's one. Um, it's called Employee NPS, Net Promoter Score, which is a metric that talks about how likely your employees are to recommend CloudTalk or, or your company as a good place to work. Mm -hmm. And do you take any action should the score go below what you set out as a target? I love that question because it's recurring in our team. We often have managers that come up to us telling us, my wellness metric has dropped. What do I do about it? And we always tell them, well, well, dig deeper. Uh, you can uh, you can send a follow-up survey or simply speak to your team members one-on-one, -on -one, ask them questions that target that metric specifically and see why they feel like that. Maybe it's because they're colleagues have left and now they have more work or maybe it's because it's been stressful because we had deadlines or we're pre-series B raising and there's a lot of work, dig deeper. Um, if you ask questions, you'll find the answers. Great. And in addition to measuring these in a quantitative way, do you also collect the qualitative insights from your team, you know, in an open text field, for example? We do, we do. So you, you do. can either use a rating scale mm -hmm. and you have also open-ended questions. So we get feedback. Um, it clearly shows which team this person that submitted the feedback was from and it's up to the individual to either sign it or post it anonymously. So it's up to them. So yes, we do collect that. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll ask the same question. Mm -hmm. Do you try to spot the patterns in these open text questions, you know, whether you have some recurring themes, right? Like, um, for example, back at the days at Slido, we were really analyzing the recurring themes, even from the qualitative feedback and from some of the topics that that, that we posted up uh, to, to the survey. And the recurring ones, we actually turned them very often into an all-company projects. How do you tackle that? We do the same thing. Of course, you can't avoid that. You have to look for patterns. And we have employees asking us, is anybody actually reading that Office mm -hmm. Vibe? And I say, absolutely, yes. I actually read it on a weekly basis. And some of the projects that we run as a company or as a people team is um, or came out of that. One of the examples, um, people always say or say quite often that they don't know how they can grow with the company. Of course they can grow with the company, mm -hmm. but there's not a clear carry path when you're, let's say, customer support, when you're HR, you have to speak to your manager to find out the opportunities, but we don't want that. We want people to be able to make their own choices about the future, about their future at CloudTalk. So we are now working on career progression or leveling for our employees. So they have it black on white and see how they can grow and progress with the company. And that's based on the feedbacks in Office Vibe. Mm -hmm. And Claudia, do you encourage people to, you know, create their own projects, be initiative about their career, coming up with an you know, the new direction, so to speak. I And, and there is this a new phenomenon of quiet hiring, right? So upskilling uh, people in, in new directions or giving them something beyond the usual scope of work, right? So helping people to to grow ultimately, right? And re-engage with work. What's your take on that? In a scale-up environment or in any startup company, you need people that are ready to take initiative outside of their scope of work. So that goes without saying, absolutely yes. And we have currently many people working on cross-team projects. You have these dedicated squads, a leader of that squad who is responsible for the delivery of the project. So we absolutely do that. And this is also communicated from the get-go during recru recruitment process that we need somebody who's a go-getter and you might end up working on projects outside of your scope. Do you love that? Yes, then you might be a startup up or scale up material. So absolutely, yes. Do you see a correlation between engagement and challenging and meaningful work? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I would say that um, 
current generation that comprises the largest portion of the workforce, be it millennials or Gen Z that's just entering the workforce, they need that purpose, something higher than just coming to work and leaving, trading time for money. They need purpose, they need freedom, they need flexibility, and they need to grow with the company. And the right employer realizes that and provides that space. Again, we have a way to go. We're not doing things perfectly, but we are aware that this is what people need. This point naturally leads us to the question of motivation and productivity. How do you tackle this issue, should it arise, that people's motivation and productivity drops? That's a very tough one, right? And if mm -hmm. any company cracked it, tell me, tell me how. Um, we just touched upon motivation, which is a huge, huge topic in itself. I, for example, believe that unless people have that intrinsic mot motivation, that inner spark that makes them happy to wake up and go to work or open that laptop by, the, by, the, by your cup of coffee, um, then it's difficult to motivate people. So you have to have that inner purpose, that inner spark in you that motivates you to pull through difficult times. And I'm not talking about menial jobs, menial tasks such as ironing, there's not much purpose in that maybe, but at CloudDog in a software company, I believe that you can find that. So tackling motivation, difficult topic. I believe that people have to have that inner mot motivation. And I would say it's up to leaders, up to, your up to people's managers to find out what motivates it, each individual and enable them to thrive. So again, we're talking about just building that environment where people can grow, they can become better versions of themselves and they, their skills are utilized to the fullest. As long as they have that, then um, I believe that we're doing a pretty good job and they could be happy. Mm -hmm. And in such a fast growing environment, there are many opportunities, as you said, right? And you are looking for specific candidates. But at a certain stage, a person can, you know, sort of lose lose themselves in it. Like you complete a project and there is this kind of, a, um, you know, vacuum that opens up and before you jump on another project, etc. How can managers help team teams and and, and, and people in general navigate this not always set environment. Mm -hmm. um, again, we go back to the culture of enablement. So I believe that employees should be aware that their future is largely in their hands. I don't like the idea of the organization or the company dictating a pace for each and every employee. If you want change, sit down with your manager and communicate it to me or to, 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 mm -hmm. to your manager. Um, so I would say communication is key. And then the manager's job is to enable you to move to a different team, if it makes sense, um, to give you another project if you're interested, to enable you to succeed or simply have a conversation about what's possible, what's not possible now, but what might be possible later. So again, um, the employee should be ready to come to their manager and the manager should be ready to listen and enable the employee to do what they can do within the limits, of course, because we all operate within certain rules in the company. But that's the job of the manager, in my opinion. I, I agree with you. And uh, it's it's a tough one, honestly. Like um, I was I was leading uh, a team and and obviously sometimes you can you can help people to find a new purpose, but sometimes a certain job needs to get done and you need that person on the job, for example. And I think it's a lot about the discussion that happens. And that leads me to the topic of meetings, obviously. Uh, what role do meetings play in managers' you know, sort of toolkit in order to engage the team? Which ones are critical in order to be in touch with the team and engage them? 
Meetings are absolutely critical, right? Because it's where we meet, it's where we connect. If you have a team scattered across Spain, Greece, Slovakia, Czechia, just like my team, people team, then different types of meetings is what brings us together. And um, I just have to make sure, or we have to make sure that we have the right types of meetings at the right frequency. You need alone time with your direct reports. So one-on-one meetings are absolutely crucial, but also bringing the team together on a timely basis, let's say monthly updates with the team. So for example, what, what, what works really well for my team is monthly updates. I have different sub teams in my people team. We have talent acquisition, we have people operations, we have IT, we have others. And um, what we really enjoy is getting together on a monthly basis, each of us sharing what we've been working on, highlights, lowlights, lessons learned, funny stories, anything to share. And it's not only information exchange, but it's also that socializing element. So meetings are absolutely crucial and you have to make them efficient, This is so refreshing to hear, honestly, because a lot of people are advocating these days against the meetings, right? And Shopify made the headlines just recently that they canceled all of their group meetings. And I was just like rather skeptical, like there is this social element to meetings, but often they could be the most efficient platform to communicate a certain thing, right? Like instead of typing with 10 people, you know, in a private channel or even in in, in a common group, right? But it still takes time. So it's very refreshing to hear that uh, you still consider meetings as, a, as an essential tool, even in a remote or a hybrid setup. You have to find the right balance. There's there's a difference between too few meetings, the right amount of meetings and too many meetings. For example, I know that in engineering, we received a lot of feedback that the guys are overwhelmed by the number of meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, something had to be done about it. But in my team, I have the feeling that we have the right amount of meetings. And I always ask the team, is this okay on a monthly basis or do you prefer quarterly? I have the answer. We change it. It's okay. It's about it's about open conversation in the end. Great. So you experiment and iterate even Absolutely. your, your, your of meetings. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, do you have any meetings that have been a permanent fixture in your agenda for a very, very long time and you cannot really imagine functioning without them? I would say one-on-ones with one-on-ones. the team members, for sure, for sure. I try to have them on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. But again, I have a team member that likes it on a bi-weekly basis. So once every two weeks, it's absolutely okay. It suffices. It's enough from both me and him. And also team updates, for sure, team updates where the whole team gets together. And that social element, especially when you have a distributed team, it's not just about information exchange, but it's about that socializing. And that's why I like to have those meetings. I'm actually a fan of team meetings when they're done efficiently. Mm -hmm. I would love to delve into status meetings because from what we've discussed with others, the, the least favorite are the status meetings. Did you crack them? Did you find the right formula? So you're talking about status update meetings. How is the project going? Not problem solving, but just giving status updates. Exactly. I see. Um, What I do, and it works for me, of course, um, it's different when you have engineers, they they have a need for different kinds of meetings. In the people team, I merge them together with problem solving meetings. Give me an update on how things are going. And if there's anything to resolve, let's, let's discuss. So I always merge them. But what I do and what really works pretty well Mm -hmm. is that you have the agenda at least two days in advance of the meeting. Mm -hmm. So when I check the meeting agenda, I see, okay, maybe we need more time and I know that we will be scheduling a follow-up and that's okay, but I don't force it before I need, I know that there's going to be a need. So the ultimate goal of this meeting 
is to solve a problem instead of just sharing an update on the project or on the it's progression. It's both. It's both. Okay. If just status update is enough, if I need that, I get it. I get that in the first part of the meeting. And if there's problems to be solved, then we do it in the second half of the meeting. So my meetings are for sure longer than 15 minutes. It's usually 30 to 45 once a week, but it works for us. It works. So I don't hold just status update meetings. It's a waste of time to me. We can do it async. I don't need a meeting for that. Perfect. No, these are these are really great lessons because, uh, as I said, like many people that we spoke with, status update meetings were the least favorite because, oh, and and personally, it was very difficult to crack the formula. Um, you know, we were experimenting a lot with the async and then with keeping the updates like really short. But I can't really say that this was my favorite meeting, to be honest. And, favorite? And this, no, this I can't say that. Uh, I cannot. I cannot. I, I cannot see. say that. Right. Um, but Claudia, you touched on the topic already of asynchronous communication. So, what kind of platforms do you use for asynchronous communication? Obviously, to be in touch with your team, but to also engage them. What's your tool stack? Slack, for sure. Slack okay. is our favorite. And then Google Drive, Google Docs, Google Sheets. But Slack, pretty much Slack is what we use. Do you have any special channels where you engaged with your team? We have many channels, just like any other company Give us using some Slack. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, of course, we have team channels. Um, so, we we have a people team with smaller divisions. We have smaller divisions, mm -hmm. um, Slack channels. We have people team Slack channel, and then we have many informal channels on the company level, such as random. I know that you talked about this with someone. We have random. We have general for company updates, company wide updates. Um, we have channels dedicated to projects, topics, everything takes place on Slack and anything that needs to be stored for, for the future that's going to be beneficial to, let's say, new joiners looking for that information goes to our company wiki. Mm -hmm. Got it. And do you have any specific Slack channels that are very specific for CloudTalk? Those are the channels where your culture actually lives, right? You might be sharing uh, memes, you might be sharing jokes anything that is very special for you at CloudTalk. We have that. We have a meme channel. Um, yes, we, we do have that. It's it's a favorite one of our cloud talkers. I actually check it quite often myself as well. When you need that escape from work mm -hmm. for five minutes, you check that. And my favorite channel is also Hello Channel, where every newcomer posts um, a hello message, introduces themselves, and also picks their favorite emoji. It's very engaging, and also people just say hello and engage in a conversation during the first days of the newcomer's um, time at CloudTalk and also kudos channel. So when somebody steps out of their way, we give a thank you to somebody that did it. And it's just very nice and positive. I just love that. This is such a powerful gesture, honestly, just to appreciate people's work. And it, it's, it's one of the most powerful things, honestly, like to engage people and to motivate them. Sometimes it costs you nothing exactly. and it works miracles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so so far, we have been talking about meetings, asynchronous communication, about setting the right work environment, all really important elements to engage with the team and motivate them. One that is absolutely critical, and we slightly touched on that, it's to give people a compelling mission, vision, and rather challenging goals, right? How do you go about that? Uh, do you have any special tools, first of all, like where you track your all company goals? And then how do you make sure that these goals actually cascade through the rest of the company? 
Mm -hmm. You probably know a framework that I'm just going to mention, um, OKRs, Objectives yep. and Key Results. That's what we work with, and it works pretty well for us. Um, so we have a CEO objective, so company-wide objectives, um, on an annual basis, split into quarterly basis, out of which all other teams' OKRs stem. So you have this waterfall or cascading vision. And the tool that we use for that, it's actually a relatively new tool on the market. They're called Tability. It's an Australian mm -hmm. company. We just implemented them. And it enables visibility, transparency, collaboration. Any individual in the company can see how my team's OKRs are going. They can challenge me on that, which I like. So yeah, we're testing the new tool. It seems to be going pretty well. And this is something that works for us. Perfect. And now let's look a little bit into the future, right? Okay. Because the workplace is so nebulous, so to speak. One day Elon Musk's, you know, like says there is no remote work at Twitter. The other day he says like, yeah, remote work is great. And a lot of leaders actually follow suit or they're just trying to figure out uh, what's going to come out next. What's your take on the future of work? Where do you see the future of work headed? I think remote work is here to stay. I think it's here to stay um, because again, the generations entering the market, they want freedom, they want flexibility. And even for us in Office Vibe, when we look at the feedback, uh, one of the most commonly appreciated things by our employees um, is unlimited pay time off and freedom and flexibility to work, well, basically anytime when it suits you and from anywhere. So I believe that it is here to stay and it's the candidates dictating the pace, not the companies anymore. It's a candidate driven market. And the last question that we ask all of our guests, what are your three favorite books that inspired you recently? Unpopular opinion but I'll be very frank here. Books are not my primary source of information, believe it or not. I feel like an outcast, but um, if there's a topic that interests me, I research for hours. I research blogs, I research uh, posts on Medium by professionals in the industry, I listen to podcasts. So I do read books, but not as many as others. But if we are to mention some of the books, I'm definitely going to mention Radical Candor by Kim Scott. It's such an eye-opener and I just love that people deserve to hear the truth, the feedback, as it is. I am now reading Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Um, I love how he demystifies something that we see in the movies, movies which is uh, hostage negotiations and how he translates that into businesses. And I also like Sapiens. That's, that's not a business book, but it was a very nice read. And coming back to other resources that you are using to build your knowledge, what are they? There's one podcast that I always listen to whenever I'm ironing clothes on a Sunday evening. It's my ritual. Um, it's actually a podcast by Michal Truban. Slovaks, Michal. Will, Slovaks <laughs> will know him. Um, it is very inspiring. Um, it is business related. It's not just HR or remote culture related. It's business related. But the people that share their stories are truly inspiring. And on a Sunday evening, I usually keep my uh, notebook right next to me and just write my ideas that I collected from that podcast. So yeah, that's my, that's my source of inspiration on a Sunday evening. Claudia, thank you so much for all the amazing insights. And the last thing, if people who are watching this YouTube series want to connect with you, how can they do that? I would say the best is to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Claudia Nemčicka, I am going to try to do my best to reply, but LinkedIn is the place to go. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you.